Good day, and welcome to Sea to Ski with Sarah and T, putting the P in professionally managed vacation rentals. This is the Vacation Rental Management Professionals Podcast, coming to you from the Outer Banks of North Carolina and from the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. I'm Sarah Bradford from Winter Park and Steamboat Springs. And I'm Tim Cafferty from the Outer Banks of North Carolina and Sandbridge, Virginia. Together, we bring you the first podcast focused solely on professionally managed vacation rentals across the nation, or as we like to call it, Sea to Ski with Sarah and T. In the next 30 minutes, we hope you'll join us on our journey as we dive into issues affecting folks like us, the professional vacation rental manager, allowing you to run your business more effectively, make more money, And most importantly, have fun doing it. We are back and better than ever. Thanks for joining us last time on the episode we talked about four ways to wow. Sarah did a much better job wowing people than I did. Just to remind you, I'm Tim. And I'm Sarah. This week, we have decided to tackle an even bigger subject, and a subject that hit close to Sarah here really recently, and that's the buying and selling of your rental properties. It is a fact of life in the vacation rental business. How it's handled can be the difference between a smooth-running process that doesn't miss a beat or a torturous and dreaded thing to avoid at all costs. So today's episode, we're going to discuss the sometimes challenging process that a vacation rental manager goes through when your property owners list their property for sale and then gulp. It actually sells. What do you do? We've been through this a time or 200, and so we have some experience you can learn by. We have some good stories, and we have some bad stories, and we're ready to share. Right, Sarah? Sure are. This is a tough one. This is a tough situation. It's become a bigger and bigger problem as the economy is improving, and properties are really selling in our area much faster than they used to. Is that true where you are too, Tim? Well, it has been cyclical. Of course, I've been around since uh, dirt, so I've seen some processes. I've seen a thing or two over my time. You know, <laughs> there's the, the time in the mid 2000s where things were uh, selling before they were listed, and then in the late uh, 2009, 2010, nothing was selling, and then we went through kind of foreclosure and short sales, and now things things be coming back. If they're priced right, things are going to sell within a, a relatively quick period of time. Yes. So I just had a pretty tough situation with this exact topic, which inspired the topic. And that was that we have a strict rule with all of our owners on this, but I broke the rule. I got a little greedy and I wanted to keep renting a place that is a big moneymaker for us because I thought anyone that buys that certain place is going to be wanting to rent. So I broke the rules. I let guests book there. And sure enough, because the owner said, don't worry, Sarah, I would never sell this and not honor the rentals. And I have it priced so high, it's not even going to sell. And I said, all right, I got your word on it. Let's do it. Sure enough, three weeks ago, this person called me and said, I got a full cash offer, the most it's ever been paid for anything in this one area of this specific ski resort. (laughs) The person doesn't want any rentals. They want all the furniture out in two weeks. We're closing in two weeks. Get all of the rentals out of there. Sorry. Get them out. Gosh. Yeesh. So for the next four days, I personally called each one of these guests myself because I had taken the risk of renting it 
it was not right to have my staff have to go through that. When you hear the disappointment in a guest's voice, the vacation they planned six months ago, a year ago, now has to be changed or they don't even have a place to stay, it really hits home and it made me get serious about this topic. This is so important in our industry that we all figure out how to not disappoint the guest and how to be true. If somebody rents a place, they get that place. You don't go to a hotel and they go, oh, sorry, that room. Yeah, all our rooms were sold to other owners, so they don't want to rent it to you. That doesn't happen. So let's dig deep here. Let's go through. We have nine things to talk about here today. Your properties are selling when they go on the market and when they sell, how you can make that foolproof and a lot less stressful for your team. Heck, you can even make it into a positive if you play this right. So we do have it whittled down to nine points for takeaways, as we usually like to number things. And we had already given you a top 10 list. So this is a top nine list, but you can add to it if you want. Just let us know. So number one, I'll take, and that is be sure your property owners understand the sales process. Well, no, everybody understands the sales process, Tim. You stick a sign in the yard and it sells. No, this is different depending on what state you operate in. So for instance, in North Carolina, I count myself fortunate that we have a thing called the Vacation Rental Act, and it requires the buyer of a vacation rental property to honor any booked rentals that occur within 180 days of closing, which makes it very straightforward. The house can be listed for sale, absolutely. And a buyer, if they don't want to honor the agreement, I am sorry, it is the law, sir. You must honor the agreement for 180 days. If you, even if you're going to use it as a personal residence, you have to honor those leases for the next 180 days. So I'm fortunate because you obviously don't have that in Colorado, but don't shy away from it. Other states don't have those stipulations, but they absolutely need to be aware of their obligations to you and to their guests before the house goes into contract. Certainly not busting on Sarah here, but if you have any abilities to put it out on an owner's site, a newsletter, whatever, if you have anything with regard to selling your property, if you have a real estate sales side, you certainly could do those. Don't be an ostrich. Stick your head in the ground and just think it's not going to happen because it will. It sure does. And here's the thing. As soon as a full cash offer is in front of them and they see dollar signs, a lot of people lose their loyalty to you. They don't even remember what my first name is. So you have to create a process and you have to stick with it. And even if you don't have a vacation rental act like they have in North Carolina, make your own vacation rental act at your business. And I would say communicate it to all of your owners before this ever gets ugly. So communicate it to them when they're not even thinking about renting. I mean, sorry, selling their property. That way it's not an emotional decision. It's not an emotional conversation. It's just, hey, if you're working with us, this is how it works when you someday decide to sell your property. And then you default to that and you do it the same way with every property. Well, let's face it as well. Most of these properties, although our property owners are quick to call these homes, this is not your home. I remember Stephen Craig of Vacation Rental Housekeeping fame talked about this and saying, don't run that stuff by me. This is a commercial domicile that you've invested in to make money. And so this is an investment. This is a business for these folks. And so if they had that number in their head, hey, if I could ever get this amount, I would sell and that number comes along, 
they're going to sell. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I do recommend you have something in your signed contract with the owner, or we'll talk about this a little later. I think you should have an addendum that they sign when they do put their house on the market that explains the process so that you're both contractually agreeing on how this is going to work. So number two, all right, this is a tough one. And this is what about when the house is under contract with a buyer who wants to rent the house before they close to find the flaws of the property. So this is a buyer that is buying it, but he hasn't, he still has his way out. Maybe the inspection isn't done or whatever the rules are in your state. And he stays there to be able to check it out and see what's wrong. In a normal house, like you said, an actual home, Tim, no one gets to do this. You don't get to say, hey, buddy, do you mind if I sleep there a few nights before I buy it? <laughs> yeah. So what can happen? It gets really bad, right, Tim? I mean, oh, it can be a you, tool had, killer. you had a situation with this. What happened? Oh, it just happened a couple of weeks ago. And the the seller's like, you can't let those people in the property. Like, I have to. It's federal law. I can't discriminate. There's no reason why I can't rent to these people. So we threw it back on the sales agents and they negotiated some sort of a settlement. But wow, you talk about us tar baby oh you get in there and just start picking it apart you can have all the home inspections you want but until they move in the place yeesh and just so you know the rest of america doesn't know what a tar baby is oh okay so you kind of stick your hand in it and you can't get it out and you get the other hand in and then the foot's in it and then before you know it you're covered in tar so thank you <laughs> um you know another thing with this is even if the guest doesn't the potential buyer doesn't become a guest and stay there or even if they do and they have a perfectly fine experience you're trying to get them to stay with you and, and keep renting with you. And so you're starting a, a relationship of trust with this potential, you know, this buyer that's under contract. And then they say to you, as they said to Rachel in our office last year when a house was selling, so come on, tell me, what's the history with this place? Anything you know about? Anything you know? Well, that's a really sticky situation because we do know things. And this is where Tim has given me great advice of, just saying, you know, there's certain ethical rules here. I can only say so much until you buy it. So please, we can't go down that path. That's item number four you're alluding to. But you have skipped over my number three, lady. So let me get my number three. And that oh, is... Number two. It's okay. I'm usually the one out of order, so you get to do it today. It's okay. So number three is how does your contract address sales? Do you have a significant cancellation fee built in? Do you require your owner to list the property with you? If you have a sales department, do you require that, that the buyer has to keep the property with you? Do you have blackout dates where the property can't close so you protect your guests? You know, you have your high season. You don't want to have a scenario where you lose guests in the middle of the summer or the high ski season. And the handling of relocation of guests, if you have to do that, Sarah just talked about that awful experience she just went through. Are you going to be compensated in some way over and above your normal compensation? You should. Look at your agreement right now. Pull over. <laughs> Look at your agreement right now and see what it says. Make sure you're covered. There's, there's a lot of meat here. Just make sure you are covered properly is what I'll say. And we don't want to give actual recommendations on how to do it. And there's lots of ways you can set this up. We've tried a, quite a few, so I'll share what we do. And the reason we changed what we do, except for my one time three weeks ago I told you about, is because this is your brand and this is the guest experience. If you take the chance and just say, oh, I hope they sign back on with me or I'll just move the guest, big deal, 
that is your brand. You're telling your guests that they are not going to get what you told them they were going to get, and they probably won't book with you again in the future. So I think it's so important you figure out how to protect the guest and protect your brand. So what we do now is when someone goes to sell their property, we have them sign something that legally says that they will honor all of the bookings. And then to make it even more of a sure thing, we block the calendar one month out every week so that if like, let's say it's sold today, this is November and it's closing December 31st, we are sure that it's it's blocked past January. The problem is when someone decides to put their house on the market in the middle of January, and you already have bookings all the way to March or April in a ski resort, you can't just all of a sudden move those without it being under contract. So that's when you really got to get them to promise and sign something that says they will honor the bookings. I recently had an owner, this is actually right after the big drama of a couple weeks ago, an owner said they wanted to go ahead and sell their property. Well, they had $40,000 of bookings on the calendar for the upcoming ski season. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's November. I mean, we have bookings till April. And so instead of just accepting that and hoping for the best and making them sign something and knowing it was going to get confusing, I called the owner, took a deep breath and said, what if you don't sell till March? So get all the rental income, wait till March. That's probably a better time to sell anyway. This is going to get so tough. And now we're going to have to block all these dates that you're not going to get booked. And do you know what he said, Tim? Did he say yes? He said, you're right. I'm just going to wait till March. Wow. <laughs> so don't be afraid to talk to your owner about waiting or to come up with some w- compromise that makes this work instead of just saying, oh, you want to sell? Okay. All right. Well, we'll figure it out. Courage, not comfort. Good for you. There you go. <laughs> that was a good right. day for you. Um, anything else on number three? No, I think we're good. Okay, so number four that I skipped to before, so we'll just breeze (laughs) over it, was just what you're allowed to share, what you can provide to the listing agent to assist in the sales process. Tim, I shared my things here. Share what you are allowed to do as an actual realtor. Yeah, many of our listeners are realtors, and so... When you are a realtor, you have a code of ethics that you subscribe to. And so confidentiality of information is Article 1. You have to have loyalty and obedience to your client. So you need your client's permission, folks, to give information to the listing agent or a potential selling agent on, for instance, the rental history, the income of the property. Sarah's just talking about a house that had $40,000 booked. She couldn't share that information if she was a realtor without the owner's permission. Now, of course, that's a good number, so the owner would likely give that permission. You know, it, it behooves him to do that. But if the number was not good and he tells her you can't share that, she can't share that. Same goes with maintenance information. So I remember years ago I had a house. It was actually a condominium on the oceanfront, and I was the rental manager. And the house went under contract, and the owner forbid me from sharing maintenance information with the buyer. I knew that that air conditioner had been repaired 14 times over the last three years. And pretty much anybody that looked at it could tell it had been repaired 14 times. But this buyer did not get a home inspection, and it just was it was in my crawl. Like, I, I want to tell this guy the air conditioner is going to die. And somebody was looking out for him. On the day before closing, the air conditioner crapped out. And the seller had to replace it. But I was not permitted, because of my code of ethics, to share that information about the history of that maintenance of the property with the buyer. 
because my client told me not to do it. So make sure you don't get in trouble on this whole thing about what you can and can't say in the sales process. And a twist sharing rental income, especially if the owner, homeowner says don't share it. What you can do, I think we've talked about on another podcast, is to create a well-designed rental income projection sheet for the home. Mm -hmm. And because a lot of times a homeowner might use their place a lot. And so actually the rental income, the true rental income, even if they're willing to share it, doesn't look very good because they used it over for us like Christmas, spring break, and all summer. So I think if you just create a rental income projection sheet for the home, that's legal and it shows what it would garner if they didn't stay in it at all. And that can help you with number five. And that is what is your role going to be in the sales process? Will you be actively assisting in the sale of the property, such as what Sarah just described, a professionally prepared rental projection, which can be a great tool for a listing agent. Hey, it's done this much now, but look, Sarah prepared this rental projection that said, if you do this, this, and this, you could get this kind of income. And so that's being very actively involved in the process. And then the mundane things like arranging showings of the property when it's rented. In most states, tenants do not have to allow showings. It is their property for their quiet enjoyment during the time they have the property leased. But real estate agents are notorious for circumventing the rules and just showing up. Here's a bottle of wine if you let me in the house. Or the agency said it would be fine. I I just was driving by, and they kind of strong-armed their way when no such approval was given. So then there's the tenant that's more than willing to point out the flaws of the house during a showing to potential buyer. Yeah, hey, don't forget the toilet doesn't work and the air conditioner's <laughs> So just make sure you know what your role is going to be in the sales process as the rental manager. And again, Tim... To communicate that to the realtors involved and also to your homeowner. Communicate all of these sales process issues up front so it doesn't get awkward later. We have a 100% steadfast rule, no showings during guests staying there. 100%, we never break it, no bribes allowed. Because talk about your brand again. That is such a bummer when you're hanging out and then all of a sudden have someone looking at the home. I mean, so talk with the the homeowner before it happens. Mm -hmm. That leads you right into the next one about how helpful you're going to be. Yeah. So number six is how helpful do you want to be in this process? I think you need to talk about as a team, decide, dig on this with your crew of what are you going to do? I believe you should be very helpful, even though, of course, we don't want the property to sell. But if it does sell, we want the realtor to be recommending us. So I think by creating, like we talked about, the rental estimate, but also helping the realtor understand your calendar and understanding when it can be shown. A lot of times a realtor wants to show it at 10 o'clock in the morning, 10.01 on checkout day, and they're knocking on the door right? Mm -hmm. So it's important that the guest experience crew or whatever you call your your frontline crew that talks with realtors, they're friendly, they're helpful, and they're explaining, hey, that's not clean yet, but it will be at one. Mm -hmm. And that's what you really got to do the showing for this to look as best it can. I I did on number six as well. You have somehow, you said you kind of dread the process sometimes when houses uh, get uh, listed for sale. I have a property right now that I need a new owner for. 
if you get my drift. The owner has kind of checked out mentally. It's become more of an investment property. You can tell when you walk in. They haven't done what they need to do in terms of keeping up with the decor, and there's a screen that's torn and you know whatever, and the guest reviews have been poor. I need a new owner. It's a nice house. It just needs some effort. And so I'm being very helpful in the sales process on this one. I've prepared rental projections. I've given suggestions about how they can improve the property. I've given a history of the rental in a graph and where we could be. And so you can turn it around the other way as well. Tim, that's a good way to look at it especially when it's a property you want to keep on your program and maybe you get somebody that even wants to improve it beyond what it is today. Um, another other thing about that is if you're helpful and you also make the properties shine, the realtors can be very impressed with you. I recently had a realtor that said, I can always tell when it's one of your properties because it's so clean. And I thought, oh, phew, they're seeing your properties as they are. And this is a big reflection of you. So make sure they look good for the showings because also the buyer is judging you about how clean it is. At least it's number seven. A couple more here. What happens when the property goes under contract in terms of you being in the loop? Is there communication between the listing agent the rental agency, the selling agent, and the buyers. You know, assumption of contracts needs to be discussed. Uh, getting agreements signed in advance of closing to ensure everything goes smoothly, that the new owner is going to honor the rentals and they're not going to do something crazy there. Many times this information comes apparent when the closing is scheduled. You get a call from the attorney's office asking for keys or something. <laughs> so consider member, uh, being a member of your local MLS system if you can. And then you can get notice of, first of all, what properties are listed for sale that is in your rental program who is the agent, and when the property does go under contract, most LMLS systems require that to be done within 24 hours or so, you won't have to rely on somebody's memory, and you can take a proactive role in the process of understanding it's under contract now, so now I need to get in front of that buyer somehow or another and establish some rapport. So, Tim, question about that, since I'm not a realtor. Can I be a member of the MLS? How do you, or do you have to be a realtor? Some areas have independent multiple listing services, so I'd encourage you to look around and see. Now, most are related to realtor associations, and so that would go back to our item about uh, the code of ethics and disclosing information and what have you, so it's a two-edged sword, but it can be very helpful, and they usually will have a discounted monthly rate for access if you're not an actively involved sales agent, basically just looking at it for information. You're not out there listing and selling. So there may be a, a lesser rate you can pay for that, Sarah. Gotcha. Al in my office, was he was driving by one of these homes that was for sale on our program, and he just happened to see sale pending sign as he was driving by and said, what? Yeah. So that wasn't cool of the realtor. And this is just back to, I think it's so important that we talk with the realtor when it goes on the market. We explain our expectations, explain how this is going to go so you're in control of the situation and they understand how important it is to keep you informed. It really could help to speak with them. All right, they can be a hero. We've talked about that in other episodes. Uh, my gal is Debbie. Uh, she's my vice president of business development. She's been with me 20-some. I probably shouldn't say. She's going to be upset if I tell her because <laughs> it gives away her age. But uh, she's a spring chicken, and she is my go-to person on this. Getting those contracts in hand and that communication and having the ability for her to sell our program to a potential buyer rather than having the realtor represent. They'll say, oh, just give me this stuff. I'll, I'll give it to the buyer. No, 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 no. I would like to explain my program. You wouldn't want me to take your listing information and take it to my owner, right? You, you want the opportunity to list the house for sale. Well, I want the opportunity to list the house for rent. And so you really need to make sure those relationships are developed. I know a good way we can do that. That leads us to number eight. 
And number eight is, are you willing to pay a commission to a referring sales agent for a new property that comes onto your program? This is a touchy matter. I guess you're not exactly allowed to discuss this in some places. What I know is we just got a letter sent to one of our vacation rentals that said, was it Vacasa or one of the virtual managers? Well, well first of all, they'll pay a 1000 bucks to just get the owner to switch. But then the realtors are also telling us they're getting a 1000 bucks to recommend them. So the question is, how do you get that realtor of that buyer, that buyer's agent? How are you getting them to promote you and say you should really stick with Tim when that property sells? What do you think about this, Tim? Well, it's a very common practice here. You want to get somebody to promote you? Pay them. That's <laughs> that's the bottom line. And there's a lot of different models. I'm aware of few. One of them is percentage of the total income the property might bring in. Uh, let's say you might pay 1% or something like that. No, no antitrust talking here. I'm just saying, you know, that might be an example. Or maybe you pay them the equivalent of one in-season week's commission or something like that. It's not a lot of money. You know, certainly they are not going to leave the real estate sales business to just get referrals. They can't live on this stuff. But it's a nice little benefit. And then you also have to decide, Sarah, how you're going to pay that. Do you just give them the money and say, thanks, we'll take it from here? Or I'm aware of at least one agency that doesn't pay the referral until after the rental season takes place. So there's no opportunity for the owner to cancel the contract, for instance, you know, and leave them hanging and go, wait, wait a minute, we paid Joe a referral because the, uh, the buyer doesn't care. And you also want to make sure that's fully disclosed. There is nothing underhanded, nothing under the table going on here. The buyer and the seller need to be aware that you're paying the commission and you would pay it to the broker who then would deal with the agent. So I'm absolutely all in favor of this. And, you know, for me, I started my firm without a real estate sales division. I do have a flourishing sales division now. We're actually ranked in the top 10 of our MLS. So we have a good pipeline of sales agents. But for the first eight years, I didn't have sales. And so I had many agents who were not affiliated with a rental company that were sending me business because of this, because they didn't feel like they were being. They weren't going to get stabbed in the back, so to speak, you know, to put it in that kind of vernacular. I can send my client to Tim because I know his sales agents aren't going to get on him like a hawk or something like that. Uh, they, they knew they would still have that loyalty if that buyer, who then one day becomes a seller, decides to sell. They'll go back to that original agent if you follow me there. Yeah, this is an interesting topic, uh, especially because I'm not a realtor. So anybody that refers to us, they know I'm not going to then steal them as a real estate client. We don't pay, so maybe we could do more debate on this later. We get a very nice gift that makes a big impression in the office, but I just tell the realtors, we're going to do a great job for your client. They're going to be so happy that they're going to, when they want to sell, they'll want to come back to you. And it's working for me so far. So I think there's a lot of approaches to this. But if you do give gifts like we do, Make sure you give a gift every time so that one realtor says, hey, man, you got that? I didn't get anything. (laughs) Sort of like my owner Christmas gift. Uh, Let's not go there. Okay, so that brings us to number nine, and that is the whole building rapport with the buyers. Really important. We talked about that. But then making sure you have that onboarding process as well. 
critical that you have a process as to when that owner comes on board, what happens then? Do you sign the contracts and never talk to them again? Or do you have a specific process where the maintenance manager calls and reaches out to them and finds their preferences? And maybe the reservation sales manager reaches out to them or the housekeeping manager. Maybe even uh, we've taken it to the point of uh, creating a little booklet. We have a very clear onboarding process and involves our owner's manual, we call it. And it's a spiral bound document that's probably 20 25 pages, and it's basically the operating manual about how uh, Outer Banks Blue does business. And so if they ever have a question, they stick it in their junk drawer at home, and they go, you know, what's that thing about uh, making reservations? We want to use overtime. How do we do that? Oh, it's right here in the booklet. So, uh, What's that thing about how when I want to sell my property, how yes, that goes? That's right. You, you don't list it during ski season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the last thing I had number nine, our, our final point here is Debbie actually in your office get, reminded me of this very good reminder that you need to be in touch with that new owner and make sure all the utilities are set up to transfer smoothly oh, yeah. and yeah. everything's going to go well when that closing occurs because a lot of closings occur when a rental guest is in there and if all of a sudden the cable and the lights go out, it's, it's really bad. And then the final thing would just be that you're clear with the seller and the buyer about how you're going to split the reservations that are going on right when the closing happens, how the fees are going to be paid out that are due to you before the closing. Make sure that's all very obvious because once someone sells their place, they kind of like go into Nowhereville. <laughs> um, and it's important to, to talk to them about before it happens. Never hear from them again. Okay, so that brings us to not so hot off the presses, but definitely happening. And this week we have another interview, and it is, I've been accused of being the Energizer Bunny sometimes about having a lot of get up and go. I am nothing compared to this guy. Our man, Dirk Johnson. I know you love this guy, Sarah. I love Dirk. He's awfully good. And so I caught up with him at the Vacation Rental Housekeeping Professionals Conference in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And he has some big news about what's going on in that organization over the next 12 months. We're three quarters of the way through the uh, VRHP, VRM Intel conference here in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. We've had multiple sessions, great uh, content about housekeeping maintenance. We had the Gatlinburg chamber president that was here with us today. Talked about how they were prepared and unprepared for the fires that came through. We've talked about linens. We've, we've had more vendors this year than we've had in the past, and so we've really broadened the horizons of the housekeepers and people that have come because, speaking strictly from a housekeeping standpoint, this is the one time a year the housekeepers get together. This is, for many of them, the only conference they ever attend, and so to come and meet the vendors and to have the number of vendors we have and then to have the dinner we had last night up on top of the mountain to take a tram to the top and, and award brandy, the uh, housekeeping executive of the year and to have them celebrate being a local girl and a local winner mm -hmm. it's just been fantastic and again coming back to the south for me it's always great love the southern hospitality speaking of what's happening there's a lot in the future for vrhp oh absolutely absolutely and now now i get real excited uh -huh. and get goosebumps and all those other things that go with it yeah. so uh you know the board met monday morning we've uh, agreed to and decided to expand the number of one-day housekeeping seminars so we i think we had one or two this year we're going to 15 next year good night so yeah we're going to do obviously the outer banks we're going to do south carolina uh we'll do some in in oregon miami the florida panhandle looking at even some of the mountain states park city is where we're looking at going and then uh, we will also going to expand our reach because everybody has housekeeping and maintenance needs and so we're going to look at at doing a, a national conference type agenda over in barcelona 
next wow. spring. Great. And then in 2019, we're looking at doing several more over in that direction. And so VRHP holds the keys on how to do house, vacation rental housekeeping successfully. And it's time to, to show people the key and how to do it right and to provide the experience. You know, I was talking to, to uh, another individual earlier today. A, a homeowner or a company has a vision of what they want that experience to be. And they've taken all these what used to be different departments and put it all on one person, the housekeeper. And sometimes the housekeeper doesn't have the skill set or the training to be able to, to greet the guest or to handle the issue of someone arriving early. And so we want to, to share that with as many people as we can and, and uh, be the knowledge base and the uh, trumpet sounder from the tower, so to speak, and saying, this is how you do it and this is the best way to do it and let's go do it together. Fantastic. We wish you all success. I know it's going to be great. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate it. Okay, so this is nine ways that you can use our experience to get through the sellout process of your owners and be unscathed. And so number one was be sure your property owners understand the sales process, Sarah. Number two, what about a house that's under contract with a buyer who wants to rent the house before they close to find out the flaws of the property? Make sure you're prepared for that situation. Okay, number three, how does your contract address real estate sales of your properties. And number four, what information are you willing to provide the listing agent to assist in the sales process? Number five, what will your role be in the sales process? And number six, how helpful do you want to be in the sales process? I encourage you to be very helpful, but I think you need to think about that before you go into a sale. Number seven was what happens when the property goes under contract in terms of you being in the loop. And number eight, what are you willing to pay as a commission or gift or some incentive to a referring sales agent for a new property that comes into your program? And then would be properly onboarding the owner into your organization by communicating properly, keeping them up to date on dates, and making sure those utilities get switched over. So I guess we should say nine questions you need to respond to in the sales process. And again, I go back to number one, be sure your owners understand the sales process. I will not forget your story anytime soon, Sarah. That is, is, uh, I hate it for you. Yeah, that took a few months off my life. (laughs) Okay. Well, we're getting close to the holidays, but we will be back with you before the end of the year with at least one more podcast. We hope you are having a great holiday season with the parties and the end of the year wrap that we all do and thinking back to old good times. And I'll think back uh, very fondly about our relationship, Sarah. It's been cool so far, and I'm looking forward to another great series of podcasts in the future. Me too, Tim. And I would encourage everybody to find us on Facebook, See to Ski with Sarah and T. We want to hear from you. What do you think of our podcast? What are your ideas for future episodes? Get on there today and write us a little note. Very good. Okay, that'll do it for now. Thanks, Sarah. All right. Holidays. So long, everybody. Thank you for listening to Sea to Ski with Sarah and T, Professional Vacation Rental Managers Podcast. Brought to you by Sarah Bradford of Winter Park Lodging Company and Steamboat Lodging Company, as well as Tim Cafferty of Outer Banks Blue and Sandbridge Blue Realty Services. Together, Sarah and Tim manage more than 600 privately owned vacation rental properties, and both are regarded as experts in the vacation rental management industry. Music provided by Ben Sound. We encourage your participation on this podcast by sharing it with friends, and please feel free to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Comments or reviews on this particular podcast can be made on their website, see to ski with sarahnt.com, where you can also subscribe to the podcast as well as provide them feedback on this episode or give them ideas for future topics. We look forward to speaking with you next time on See to Ski with Sarah and T.